is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Gary Shapley, the IRS whistleblower, was the first to come forward on the record, hold up the red flag about Hunter Biden's investigation and say, listen, this was slow walked multiple times. Mark Lytle is Shapley's attorney, and he says after he talked to Brad Weinsheimer, U.S. Attorney Weiss, now special counsel, met with Chris Clark and Weinsheimer at the Justice Department. He also said those promises about whistleblower protection from Weinsheimer suddenly disappeared. On September 20th, the Attorney General Merrick Garland will testify on Capitol Hill before the House for an oversight hearing. Expect Hunter Biden to be a big, if not the biggest topic of the day. Yeah, so uh, Joe Biden, he was gender identifying before it was cool. No, really, I mean, Joe Biden, he was gender identifying before it was really a thing, really a thing. I'll explain that uh, Fox's David Spunt there with a good summation of a lot of what's going to be in motion here over the next week as Congress comes out of recess And we're going to dive into it because there actually has been a lot that has happened here in the past couple of days. And what a lot of people are already turning the page on with the Labor Day weekend ahead. So uh, we're going to get into the next steps and some of the revelations that have come out here over the past couple of days. We're also going to be talking about a two-tier justice system and also how the mugshot is playing politically. We have a decent idea about that at this point. We're going to talk about in the second hour political age limits and biology. And I'm going to be especially interested to hear from you on that note about political age limits. And uh, as we get into some some biology discussions, uh, which goes hand in hand with uh, Keith Oberman sucking at at life, uh, which is pretty routine. But I mean, even for him, he pulled a pretty special maneuver here uh, recently. We're also going to talk about um, the timeline of the Trump trials and dive into why exactly it is that that Trump's team evidently does not deserve the time that's needed to build a proper defense. Why the average schlub committing the average like of offense or uh, either state or federal offense, why the average schlub would have a heck of a lot more time to prepare a defense than the former and perhaps future president of the United States. Among the things we're going to be diving into, and uh, oh, hey there, happy Friday, Brian Mudd. I am the host of the Brian Mudd Show, WJNO in West Palm Beach. Check out the Brian Mudd Show podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just had a record month in August, by the way, for the podcast. Would love to get off to a real strong start here in September. So uh, the Brian Mudd Show. Again, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check me out socially at Brian Mud Radio and pretty much wherever you are socially, you can find me there as well. So let's let's dive into Joe Biden gender identifying before it was cool. So Pharrell, Pharrell was happy. Iggy, Iggy was fancy. Megan Trainer was all about that base. And Robin Ware was vice president of the United States. Who knew? Come on, what year was that? What year was that? Got it? It wasn't that long ago. Although, you hear it was 2014. You think, gosh, nine years already. Jeez. So, yeah, uh, the year was 2014. 
That's when the uh, homosexual alphabet included just four letters. Men pretending to be women weren't yet competing in women's sports. And fat men with erections were not in sororities. So, uh, yeah, I mean, nine years ago. And who knew old Joe, or, or should I say Robin, what was so ahead of his, or, or you know, her, her time, or should I say their time? You know, it was James Stockdale, Ross Pro's running mate in 92. He's the one who, who first brought the question of, who am I? Why am I here? To vice presidential politics. And it's Joe Biden's seeming bewilderment which regularly brings that thought to the presidency these days. You know, with, with a hat tip to Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, and the, uh, the Franken-Fetter for their similar work in the Senate. By the way, we're going to hit on some of that coming up here in the second hour. It's all part of the age thing. But, but maybe we've had it all wrong with old Joe. Maybe he isn't prone to senior moments on the regular quite the way we think. Who knows? Maybe some of his stories are actually true. You know, like, for example, maybe uh, maybe Robert was was the guy who had a CDL and was the, the big rig driver and you know, bus driver, all that. I mean, it could have been, right? Who are we to know? Yeah, so maybe he's just been gender identifying for so long that his effort to suppress his true self publicly, it's just taken a toll. It's really hard. And maybe that's why Joe Biden's other email pseudonyms as vice president included male names like Robert Peters and J.R.B. Ware. You know, Robin's better half, or, or perhaps, I don't know, it could be bastard son who's been rejected by the family. That would be in keeping. But anyway, we've heard for quite some time now just how hard it is for the LGBTQIA apostrophe ampersand plus community, you know, to, to suppress their true selves. That really takes its toll. So Joe Biden, a.k.a. Robin Ware, is clearly a, a cautionary tale here. And importantly, it's Joe Biden's publicly suppressed true self that explains so much. Like why, for example, that he felt it appropriate to shower with his daughter would explain a lot, right? Or to uh, email with his son, Hunter, as vice president under his gender fluid names and identities. I mean, what kind of cruel person would look at Joe Biden's 5,138 emails, 200 pages of responsive records, 25 electronic files all sent? While vice president, you know, when, when he was gender identifying alongside a case potentially of like multiple personality disorder. Or that the uh, the current president of the United States, I mean, it's either that took place or the current president of the United States is, is just corrupt as hell. And he has endlessly lied about his ties to Hunter Biden's business dealings and his role in them. It's one of those deals to where I report you can you can decide. Could just be the gender identity thing. Now, uh, of course, my, my semi-tongue-in-cheek uh, prologue is, is a result of the drip, drip, dripping of new revelations that have emerged recently with the Biden crime family. Revelations that included America First Legal, suing the National Archives, the Records Administration, seeking 
Joe Biden's vice presidential records as sent under three email aliases. By the way, I, I do appreciate that all the email uh, aliases that you had one that was a government, the other two were Gmail. It's good to know that uh, good old Google can be the trusted go-to for the aliases of the vice president of the United States. So this was following the, the government's failure to fully comply with public records requests for the information dating back to June of 2022, while originally confirming the existence of these documents as the National Archives first stated June 24th of 2022. They said, we have, and I quote, we have performed a search of our collection for vice presidential records related to your request and have identified approximately 5,138 email messages, 25 electronic files, and 200 pages of potentially responsive records that must be processed in order to respond to your request. Well, voila. And, and while someone within the Biden administration must have quickly caught wind that the AFL was onto them last year and began stonewalling, what's emerged are Hunter Biden laptop emails with communications with Robin, with Robert, and JRB. Specifically, there's this email chain between Robin Ware and Hunter Biden on June 23rd of 2014. Hunter sent the message, before you fill a position, please talk to me. Jay McGrail very much wants to serve as detail FR Treasury. The response from Robin Ware regarding Johnny, call me right away, dad. And you like that little secret, secret language. Well, it just so happened that uh, Jay McGrail is John McGrail, who was Hunter Biden's attorney. And it just so happened that just two months after that email was sent, he was made Vice President Biden's deputy counsel. Well, that's cool. That Robin Ware really knows how to get things done, doesn't she? That's impressive work. Uh, related, by the way, John McGrail just so now happens to be serving within the Biden administration. Hi, he's brought back. Surprise, surprise. He's counsel currently within the Treasury Department. As an aside, doesn't that really make you feel good about who's minding the store of the country's money? Got to make you feel good. Hunter Biden's go-to attorney that he personally recommended for the job. Mm, yes, winning still. Anyway, it was on Wednesday that the AFL dropped over a thousand emails that included communication between Hunter Biden's business and the office of the vice president. Emails, by the way, which corroborate much of Devin Archer's recent testimony to the House Oversight Committee, which included the acknowledgement that then Vice President Biden was present either in person or on the phone at least 20 times with Hunter's business associates. Now, those were the ones in which the National Archives did eventually provide in response to the records request. Far more interesting, not just what wasn't released in response to the public records request, but the reason why all of the records were not released. President Biden has blocked the release, citing executive privilege. The use of executive privilege to block access from alias emails from a decade ago when Joe Biden was vice president. Well, it's proof positive that he has a lot to hide in regards to his business dealings with his son's business interest, which are in turn the interest of our enemies around the world. 
But while the lawsuit in the Biden administration's stonewalling is going to take some time, well, it's the House Oversight Committee that holds the key. So as Congress returns from its August recess next week, it's once again Team Comer that holds the key to where this thing is going. Public records requests are one thing. Subpoena power is another. And Comer's Oversight Committee holds subpoena power to obtain those records. And while Congress was in recess, Comer wasn't. On August 17th, he made the request for those records. So the most important work that's going to continue to be done, uh, to be done once Congress does get to back, back to work next week, it's going to be to continue with what they've been doing in their investigation in the House Oversight Committee. The walls, however slowly they may be closing, continue to close in on the Biden, a.k.a. Ware, a.k.a. Peters crime family. And who knew that Hillary Clinton's illegal email operation while Secretary of State may have only been like the second most interesting illegal email operation under the Obama administration. And by the way, I mean, that, that whole deal got me to thinking, who wants to place bets on what the big O's alter ego is called? I mean, that one has all kinds of possibilities. You know, these, these guys got the idea from somewhere. I'm Brian Mudd. In for the great one. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. The American people didn't give up. They never give up. They've never given up. And today we have the strongest economy. (laughs) I mean, he sounds like he's about giving up. I mean, and and that's his rah-rah speech. By the way, I mean, it's a little bit odd when the president of the United States goes out to do a victory lap on the, the, the day that the jobs report comes in with disappointing numbers, and the unemployment rate pops up three-tenths of a percent. But nevertheless, that is Joe Biden excited these days. Uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And as we're talking about, uh, you know, Joe Biden, gender identified before it was cool, either that or he is just corrupt as hell. Speaking of which, we're talking a little bit about a two-tiered justice system and, and how also the mugshot is playing politically, because we do have some info on this now. And yeah, the, the re- real conversations are important at this point. And, uh, well, let's start here. A recent Navigator research poll found 62% of Americans now do believe that uh, Trump is guilty. He's guilty of, of something. He, he did something. 
some people, all of it, whatever it is, and, and other people, something. But most problematic for Trump politically is that the mugshot does seem to have had the biggest impact on the perception of independence. There's been a 12 point increase within the same pollster week over week post mugshot uh, with with independents who have now said that he, have, he has committed a crime. So now you have. The, the reality that that kind of stares you in the face that the mugshot. All right. It appears to have been great for his campaign coffers, does not appear to have been helpful to Trump's cause politically, but he's not alone. And I find this highly instructive. So we talked about the Biden crime family. So most Americans, 53 percent now also believe Joe Biden, Joe, not just Hunter, but Joe is guilty of a crime or crimes, too. And if you stop and think about it. It's rather remarkable when you consider that Trump has had his home raided. His home has been raided. He's been arrested four times. He has a mugshot now to show for it. 91 different charges that have been brought against him in these four cases. And yet only 9% fewer Americans think Joe Biden isn't guilty of something as well. And so I've talking, talked about the, the walls closing in on the Biden crime family. Last time I was filling in for the great one, I was talking about it. Have a continuation of, of some of that info today's show. But it's not only true regarding potential legal jeopardy as investigations by the Justice Department. Not that I'm holding my breath there, but those are ongoing, including two special prosecutors, including Waldo. I mean, the docs investigator, who, does he even exist anymore? I mean, did, is this like a Clinton situation where they just made him disappear? But anyway, but also in terms of public perception, the walls are closing in on the Biden crime family in terms of public perception as well, as the 53% figure indicates. And that does kind of take us into a conversation about the two-tiered justice system that we will continue. At least most Americans have their eyes Somewhat open. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. The liberals and the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. 
the judge in the case, Judge Norieka, has directed lawyers to provide the status report by next Wednesday, including any steps that they believe the court will need to take in the process. Now, attorneys for Hunter Biden have argued that a diversion agreement sparing him from prosecution on the gun charge is still in place, even though it was actually originally linked to what most folks called a sweetheart plea deal on misdemeanor tax offenses. The deal that, of course, imploded during a court appearance back in July. Congressional Republicans say they are following the facts which they believe could show that the then vice president, Joe Biden himself, was involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings and may have been selling access. Yeah, solid summation right there from Fox's Kevin Cork. And things will really start to heat up, really start to heat up next week as you have the congressional recess coming out of recess. And as they get back to work in the House Oversight Committee in particular, also, as you hear, Next steps with the Delaware judge in the Hunter Biden case, which has implications, obviously, above and beyond. And then, of course, you're going to have later in September Merrick Garland. That's going to be called uh, before Congress as well. That will be uh, made uh, for uh, for TV viewing right there. That will be an interesting showdown for sure, as very good chance based upon the whistleblowers that Merrick Garland perjured himself the last time that he was testifying before Congress, something that essentially he admitted to. You know know that that Merrick Garland admitted that he flat out lied. One of the fascinating things, uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I'll come back to that uh, Garland thought here in just a moment. Want to remind you, if you haven't already pre-ordered your copy, of what is no doubt to be the next number one bestseller. In fact, it already has been on pre-order right along, but we've got to get it number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It only happens when so many books are, are purchased that they cannot ignore it. But the Democrat Party Hates America. The Great Ones book out September 19th. Speaking of big things that are going on in September, there you go. Smack dab in the middle of the month. You have the biggest book of the year that's that's going to drop. So make sure you pre-order your copy. The Democrat Party Hates America. You can get it on Amazon right now. So about the, the Merrick Garland deal. He inherently contradicted himself the moment that he took David Weiss, who had been the U.S. attorney overseeing the Hunter Biden investigation, and made him a special counsel. When he elevated his status, because wasn't it the case, including, by the way, in testimony to Congress, according to Garland, the Weiss had all the authority he needed. He could bring charges anywhere he wanted to. He could do whatever he needed to do to follow the truth, to bring justice to this country. Right. So if that was true, why would he have to? Name him a special counsel. And I know the easy go-to there is, well, you know, that that can keep him from uh, Weiss getting called before House Oversight. Okay. Even if that is the reason, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But even if that is the reason, Merrick Garland had to admit that he lied by virtue of doing that. Otherwise, there is no reason for Weiss's status to be elevated, Right. Two sides of stories, one side of facts. That happens to be one of those. 
All right, let's get uh, go to the phones here, get some of your thoughts, and let's go to Don and Daytona Beach. Don, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Um, Mark's been talking this week about uh, breaking up the D.C. court, and uh, to buttress that, I, I want to say we also need to break up the Bar Association because there is no place for your average person to go to sue some of these uh, attorneys like uh, Jack Smith for uh, overcharging, like the governor of Virginia should have been able to go after him to pay for all his, all the legal fees that he had to pay when the, after the Supreme court overturned the decision eight to nothing. And, uh, and judge Chutkin allowing uh, the, uh, the court case to go on in D.C. There's no way Trump can get a fair trial in D.C. And everybody knows it. Sure. No, I mean, look, you you, you bring appreciate the uh, the call, Don. I mean, you make a couple really good points there. And yeah, I mean, in, in a place where in 2020 Donald Trump won five percent of the vote. I mean, even if you end up having a, a jury of uh, 12, for example, let's say it goes to 12 jurors. The odds are still not in Trump's favor that he would be able to get even one juror in Washington, D.C. that might be sympathetic to his cause, that might have an open mind. I mean, we we saw flat out with John Durham, with the cases that he brought, with overwhelming evidence in hand, that simply the fact that it was something that could have helped the narrative of Donald Trump, something that certainly hurt the narrative of Hillary Clinton and the DNC. Just that pretense, those cases went nowhere. And that was the end of, of the Durham investigation. So, yeah, I mean, look, true, very true. About the D.C. situation, your, your point is also well taken on the Bar Association. You know, increasingly, the Bar Association holding so many of the cards they are are kind of working in a similar fashion to like a teacher's union. The teacher's unions have long held the cards and they've been driving the show when it comes to, to public education, right? I mean, right down to Robin Walensky backtracking on her masking recommendation a couple of years back before the start of the school year. Because you had the teachers unions that got in touch with her after she said, eh, well, we're not going to from the CDC recommend masking for kids for the upcoming school year. Teachers unions like the heck you aren't. They got in there. What happened immediately changes the tune. Right. So, I mean, really, it's been the tail wagging the dog. The teachers unions have become so powerful. They have driven the agenda uh, in the, the public education system, which has led to all the nonsense, woke ideology and worse Results, right? I mean, they right along with the federalization of education, with the incarnation of the Department of Education in 1980, they worked hand in hand to send us backwards and increase mental health issues for generations now in this country. You got the Bar Association that that kind of does a, a similar thing, and and the work in the threat of intimidation within the bar that that somebody could be disbarred that that runs counter or just the pressure. I mean. One of the big things that, that continues to, to be in play, and whether it's the Bar Association or just uh, others within the legal establishment, the pressure for good and talented people to stay away from Trump. I mean, 
in everything that's happened to target not just Donald Trump, but his entire ecosphere, a big part of that is intimidation so that talented attorneys don't want to be near him. You know, talented attorneys largely cannot get work that are willing to work with Donald Trump. Those are the other types of chilling impacts that go into play. And so, yes, I mean, you you, you make a, a good point and, you know, it's a it's a reasonable case that, uh, that you make. Um, this ought to be fun. Let's go to uh, George in North Dakota. George, welcome to the show. Uh, first time caller, but I've been listening for quite a while. I just wanted to comment on this uh, ridiculous term that I've been hearing, the Biden crime family. I think we need to be a little honest with ourselves and say there is no Biden crime family. This is just a way uh, for the right to gin up a gullible base to try and uh, garner hostility towards the Bidens and hopefully detract people from the crimes that Trump has allegedly committed. You just want to discredit Biden, uh, just like you did with Hillary in 2016, and unfortunately it worked. Uh, Hunter Biden has nothing to do with the administration, but you keep bringing him up over and over again uh, to try and uh, galvanize this idea that Biden is somehow extremely corrupt, but you okay, okay. Now, yeah, I mean, look, uh, a couple things here, and and uh, you know, I appreciate it, George. That uh, no doubt, uh, Hillary Clinton did nothing wrong. I mean, I, I, James Comey himself said no reasonable prosecutor, right? I mean, so the the first thing I, I will point out to you, George, is in the grand scheme of you know being a a thoughtful person communicating a you know dissenting point of view. Your your best argument is not going to be Hillary Clinton was dirtied up by Team Trump. You had James Comey himself admit that she broke the law. But he made the case that no reasonable prosecutor would bring the charges because just, uh, uh, even though under a situation, I will point this out to you, George, in the Docs case, in Trump's Docs case, you realize that Donald Trump actually uh, committed and has been charged with less than Hillary Clinton would have been charged with in her docs case if those charges had actually been brought. Because uh, in uh, aside from obstruction, you actually had the destruction of evidence, this outright destruction of evidence. So, I mean, that's one. And, and that's the peak of absurdity. OK, so you're part of the 47 percent. I'll point out that you are now in the minority of this country that believes that Joe Biden himself has not committed a crime. So first and foremost, whatever you, you do or, or don't think about me, my opinion, Marx, whomever. OK, fine. You're certainly entitled to your perspective. But understand that is now the majority view in this country. OK, your view is the minority view in this country. Uh, so just operating off of that premise. Now, you had Hunter Biden himself that admitted two crimes. He pled guilty before. Uh, the deal fell apart because he realized he wasn't going to get a jail, get out of jail free card for everything that he's ever done. When that happened, the courtroom, it stopped. But I will point out that Hunter Biden himself, but you're, but it was just Hunter. I mean, Hunter, Hunter acted on his own. Dad never knew anything. Dad never did anything. Okay, then, George, then you got to tell me how it is exactly that uh, Joe Biden has corresponds with Hunter Biden, now documented in aliases, by the way, with Hunter Biden, that show a direct connection regularly, over a thousand emails, by the way, a direct communication between Hunter Biden's business 
and the office of the vice presidency. Uh, nothing to see there. I mean, Joe Biden himself told us over and over again he had never even talked business with, never, never talked. I mean, it's not natural, right? I mean, he talked about how much he loved his son. That was the reason, by the way, all those calls were supposed to have taken place with Hunter. That's why, you know, just out of the blue on the regular, uh, you would either have Hunter that would call Joe with uh, like Russian oligarchs and some Chinese, uh, you know, Communist Party folks. That's why, I mean, you would have Hunter. He would just be like, hang on, uh, you, you know, the you know CCP over here. I got to call my dad. I'm worried about him. They go, yeah. We get it. You know, call your dad, make sure he's okay. You know, Bo, he died, all that. So, okay, cool. And that's why Joe just on the regular would drop what he was doing as vice president, call overseas, all kinds of interesting hours and, and would, would talk to Hunter along with, you know, his associates like the CCP and, you know, all guards and, and that kind of deal. So, I mean, that's all very reasonable, completely plausible that there was nothing to, to see there. Also uh, completely plausible that the, a president of the United States has now evoked executive privilege to block the remaining undisclosed emails from his time as vice president. Why would he, if he didn't have something to hide, use executive privilege? I can't begin to imagine what that is. It's the craziest thing. You know, it's um, also interesting that in Devin Archer's testimony, in an unprompted moment, he referred to Joe Biden as the big guy. He was not asked if Joe Biden was the big guy. In fact, I was kind of horrified in the moment that nobody in that room, including Jim Jordan or, or James Comer, picked up on Devin Archer when being pressed, referring to it wasn't like Hunter said that, uh, you know, I, I need to get in touch with the big guy. They should have been paying closer attention in that moment and listening to what Devin, Devin corroborated the idea that Joe Biden also went by the big guy. And then you have to take a look at a Hunter Biden email to the co Chinese communist interest, which said, oh, and by the way, 10% of the proceeds here for this deal go to the big guy. But I'm sure that's all just a coincidence, too. I mean, just so many coincidences, coincidences everywhere, nothing but them. Uh, and uh, Joe Biden is just clean, clean as the Hillary Clinton, uh, white driven, fresh snow. So, yes, I mean, you're completely sensible position, minority position. If you're going to come up with some arguments, try harder, feel better, but appreciate the call. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Fentanyl is a new and really, really 
dangerous addition. More people, more young people, no, not just young people, are being dying as a consequence of ingesting fentanyl. Oh boy, um, is it at this point that I should point out to the uh, the president that fentanyl's been around since 1959? Maybe it'd be the appropriate time to point out to the president that fentanyl isn't new, but the extent of the border crisis that has all the fentanyl flowing across it. That is leading to unprecedented levels of consumption of it and deaths pertaining to that is new. Maybe maybe that would be helpful. But yeah, I mean, the drug uh, not quite as old as Joe Biden, which is probably why he thinks it's it's new. Uh, Brian Mudd in for uh, Mark Levin. And as we've been talking about the Biden crime family, but also, you know, some honest moments here about public perceptions with Trump and the two-tiered justice system, an obvious answer in combating a two-tiered justice system or any type of any type of meaningful change that will be something different than what we have seen play out in the last several years in our judicial system, it does ultimately require a political result to achieve. It does. And so that's you gotta vote. Right? And and so that is where the conversation kind of begins. I mentioned that 62% of Americans now believe Trump is guilty of something. But that doesn't mean Americans don't broadly think justice is being doled out fairly or equitably. Remember, I also mentioned that 53% of Americans also at this point think Joe Biden has committed a, at least some kind of crime. So in one of the more interesting polling results I've ever seen, which kind of speaks to the extent to which Americans have their eyes open on this issue, at least enough to where some people are open to information and can be persuaded when they have good information in hand. Only 12 percent of Americans agree with the statement right now. There's one system of justice with laws applied to all Americans equally. Only 12% of Americans. Turns out, one of the issues Americans most agree on is the selective issuance of justice in this country. Interesting, isn't it? That has implications as we head through this process for the former and current president. Hey, by the way, Life, Liberty, Levin. Make sure you catch it 8 o'clock Eastern this Sunday. Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yesterday, uh, I convened the entire cabinet for a long meeting uh, to make sure that we had a whole-of-government response. Every single cabinet agency has some contribution they can make and some responsibility. It was it was a long meeting. Let me long, long man. I had to like you know, keep my head raised. I had to pretend that I was paying attention at points. It was this whole thing. They were all there. Man, was that a long meeting? 
Oh. <laughs> Boy, doesn't that inspire confidence, right? You got an emergency. Who doesn't want Joe Biden leading the charge? All I'm saying. Man, that guy is spry and he's got it. Got it all in him right there. We're going to talk about uh, political age limits and biology. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I'm the host of The Brian Mudd Show, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can check out my podcast, The Brian Mudd Show, wherever you get your podcast. And just came off a record month for my podcast in August. Really would love a strong start here in September. So go ahead, check it out. Follow, subscribe, all free, digital, on demand for you. And at Brian Mudd Radio, wherever you are socially, you, you can find me at Brian Mud Radio. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Um, absolutely love this show, love this forum, and uh, have having the opportunity to uh, talk about things like, well, political age limits in biology with you. So I'm going to offer up a contrarian point of view. I, I am going to be at odds with you most likely. Statistically, I'm about to be. No matter who you are, by the way. So my contrarian point of view starts out with this thing. Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein. Now, when you hear those three names, what comes to mind? Now, if I'm being kind, probably something related to this polling question, which was asked yesterday. Do you think there should be age limits for elected officials? All right. Do you think there should be age limits for elected officials? The answer was overwhelming. National poll by Sinclair Media, 92% of Americans said yes. 92%. Yeah. Give me some age limits in politics, please. I mean, after all. Just look at Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, and Dianne Feinstein. They don't exactly seem fit to, I don't know, be representing themselves, let alone us. In fact, Dianne Feinstein doesn't actually legally represent herself anymore, and yet she still represents California and the United States Senate. That is kind of fun. But then let me introduce John Fetterman into this conversation. Now, whom among that group? appears to be the most capable of the bunch. And I know, I mean, it's a really depressing exercise, isn't it? Like, if you're going to try to take a look at, at Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, and John Fetterman, and you go, wow, let's rank them in terms of competency. Not, not the, the most enjoyable exercise. This is obviously not our country's finest hour. That this is like a real conversation. And that one of those four is leading the country which is part of the larger point I'm about to get to. But here's my first point. Dianne Feinstein is 90. Mitch McConnell is 81. Joe Biden is 80. John Fetterman is 54. Now, all four of these people are just like the others, okay? They all have an awful lot in common that goes far beyond politics. Now, the, the media, you, I mean, this is my opinion. Yours can differ. I'm not, not picking 
I'm not going to pick at uh, your, your ordering here, but if I'm the one who is is ranking, my perceived competency of these three, and there is no joy in this exercise, but I, I got Mystery Mitch at one. Mystery Mitch at one. Because outside of uh, the blank stares, he really does seem like he still has some, some of the brain cells connecting with one another. Then I've got, come on, man, at two. I think he's the second most competent of the bunch. And it's a push, like literally in the case of Feinstein, between her and the Frankenfetter. Now, here's the deal. Even with imposed age limits, unless you intend to cut politicians off before 54, you would still have what is arguably the most incompetent of the group serving in the United States Senate. So the point is this. The collective problem with those four being allowed to serve in the Senate and as president, not age. Ain't age, folks. That's not it. It's the easy go-to, but that's not really the thing here. It's not the common denominator in those four. The common denominator is us. It's us. Now, having never personally voted for any of those four, by us, I, I don't mean me, but you get the idea. And I've never been a fan of laws being imposed to attempt to protect people from themselves. Which, if you think about it, isn't that effectively what any effort to impose age limits would be? Isn't the effort to put an age limit in place to protect the American people from themselves? I mean, let's be very specific here. Let's, let's be real. Diane Feinstein is in the United States Senate because Californians voted for her to be there. Mitch McConnell is in the United States Senate because Kentuckians put him there. And, oh, by the way, he's the Senate Minority Leader because a majority of Republican senators voted for him to be that too. And there was another option who stepped up against Mitch McConnell this time. It's Florida Senator Rick Scott. But now McConnell was, was the go-to for the majority of Republican senators. Think about that. And the Frankenfetter. The Frankenfetter is likewise in the United States Senate because the majority of Pennsylvanians had a guy in a debate who started out the debate by saying, hi, good night, everybody, with it actually going downhill from there. Like the high good night, everybody. That was the, the, the high point for him. Did not get better. And they took a look at that and said, yeah, give me that guy. And they voted for him by a wide margin to represent them. And Joe Biden? I mean, don't get me started. So the problem isn't that our country doesn't have imposed age limits. It's that it doesn't have informed citizens. We're the problem. Us voting types, we are the problem. Not them. Not their ages. That sad lot is nothing more than a reflection of us. And again, you, you know what I mean when I say us. So let's discuss President Biden specifically for a moment because it, it serves to illustrate the point. Lots of polls have shown lots of results 
that suggests most of us don't approve of, of what he's doing. Most of us don't want him to run. And there are also those which have reflected our outright questioning of whether he's physically capable of doing the job. This week, there was a poll that caught my attention on this. The question that was asked, it was one of these uh, Sinclair Media polls that I referenced. Do you think President Biden is mentally and physically fit to serve another term? They, they just went straight to it, you know? No, no playing around, no, no games, no political correctness. Do you think President Biden is mentally and physically fit to serve another term? 86%, 86% said no. National poll. Not 40, not 50, not 60 or 70, but 86% of Americans responded that the current president of the United States is not physically or mentally able to do the job any longer. And by the way, that poll is consistent because the first I saw that, I'm like, all right, I need to find something else that would be supporting evidence to it. See how much of an outlier that poll is. Well, there's been no other recent poll done nationally that was exactly uh, the, the language that was used in the one I just mentioned. But the one that got close and also came down within the past week was from the Associated Press. The Associated Press asked the question differently. They asked if he is too old to serve another term. OK, so that's the way they frame the question. Is he, is he too old to serve another term? And 77 percent in the Associated Press poll said yes. So basically, I mean, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs, 77, 86 percent. Bottom line is the overwhelming majority of Americans, and regardless of how you phrase the question, think, yeah, has no business serving. And while that says something about President Biden and our perception of him, oh, boy, it says just as much about us. Or more specifically and correctly stated in the context of Joe, not Mitch, that's a whole other issue, but Joe, Democrats. Here was the next piece of this that just kind of blew my mind. I mean, not really, but it's just like uh, in the grand scheme of uh, come on, man. It's one of those. So in this Associated Press poll in which 77 percent of people said that Joe Biden is too old to serve a second term. That included 70 percent of Democrats, 70 percent of Democrats said, yeah, you know what? Too old to serve another term. But in the next breath, in the next question, 82% of Democrats said they'll either probably or definitely vote for him for president. And by the way, the majority was on definitely. Between the probably and definitely among Democrats, it was solidly in the definitely category. So 70% of Democrats go, yeah, this guy, no business doing this job. But 82% of those people say, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to be voting for him for president. <laughs> I mean, it explains a lot, doesn't it? Really? And what does it say when almost everyone agrees that Joe Biden isn't mentally and physically fit to serve another term? What does it say when even the overwhelming majority of Democrats agree and believe that he shouldn't even be running for president, yet almost all of them Say that they're going to be voting, voting for the guy again. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, recently the left flipped out with a poll showed that a fifth of Republicans 
who said they believe that Trump did commit a crime or crimes, intend to vote for him again. A fifth of Republicans. What does it say when almost every Democrat says that Joe can't even do the job physically, but they're going to be voting for him? You know, there is a lot of moral relativism that is being injected into a potential rematch between Biden and Trump. By the numbers, there's a heck of a lot more soul searching for Democrats to do here. How little do you have to care about this country? How much do you have to take freedom for granted in order to say, uh, yeah, you see that dog over there? Dog won't hunt. Dog won't hunt. But you know what? I'm going to vote for that thing to lead the country anyway. But I mean, that mindset does, however, explain a lot about how we got here and how, for example, a fat man with an erection is allowed in the sorority. It's all interconnected because your brain has to be that far gone for any of that to ever seem acceptable. Same people, different issue. And by the way, the founders are not dumb people. The reason they didn't impose the age limits at our country's founding, that ultimately came down to a trust in us to get it right. I'll pick up there next. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Franklin Bower, author of a new book, The Last Politician, interviewed more than 300 people in Biden world and learned that, quote, in private, he would occasionally admit that he felt tired. <sighs> tired. Hard to believe that, that Joe, I mean, that, that Joe Biden just seems so spry. He's ready to go in another another four rounds after uh, after next year. What do you say? Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, as I'm talking about age, talking about political age limits and biology. By the way, I uh, did just receive a note from uh, for somebody asking me, hey, uh, if, if it were a skinny man with an erection, would my perspective be different about the sorority situation? Uh, no, the, the, um, the, the skinny man with, with an erection perspective would be this. I do think there's a chance at that point that maybe the sorority girls just take the matter into their own hands rather than the legal route. But unless somebody gets, you know, insulted, uh, you know, I, I'm not a fattest. Uh, so if, if you have a few extra pounds and, and uh, that makes you uncomfortable, the, the characterization of the fat man with an erection, we can go in the direction of morbidly or obese man with an erection. Uh, because that would certainly apply to uh, to said individuals, uh, individuals. So about this, the founders not being dumb people. You know, it's not like the founders had unbelievable 
foresight on so many issues. Right down to intentionally allowing a convicted felon that is imprisoned to be elected president of the United States. Something that is a very real possibility next year. The founders were so remarkable at their foresight. They wanted to make sure that there were not political prisoners. The American people, they put their trust in us that we would get it right. Can't trust the political establishment. They are politicians, corrupt bunch at a certain level, right? So the power with us. So it wasn't like they had so much foresight right down to something that could literally come down to how things are decided next year. Uh, but whoopsie-daisy, you know what? We blew it on this one. We uh, we really should have put those age limits in there. Yeah. Sorry, George. Yeah, Ben. You, you know. No, that, that's not what happened here. Right? We don't need age limits, which wouldn't protect us from the next Fetterman anyway. Right? I mean, Fetterman is the example that the problem is us. We need more informed voters. We need some voters that care more about this country than, say, I don't know, posting a, a video to TikTok at any given time. And speaking of social media and the decrepit, yeah, Keith Olbermann, he sucks at life. We'll talk about him in a bit. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Strong girls become strong women. Strong women become strong leaders. That does not happen when you put biological boys in women's locker rooms. That does not happen when you take a biological boy and have him compete against women in sports. It's an unfair situation, and our women deserve better than that. Little common sense and biology there from Nikki Haley on Fox's This Story, making a lot of sense. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, as we're talking about some related things. And we'll dive further into it with uh, Keith Olbermann and, and had the extent to which he, he sucks at, at life. Uh, I want to remind you, if you do not already have your copy of The Democrat Party Hates America, well, I mean... You're on the verge of, of something potentially being wrong with you. you. You don't want to be like the people we have been talking about that uh, 
I don't know, our, our gender identifying, uh, you know, as a as a, a fat man in a, a sorority, right? You, you do not want to be that guy or girl or they. You want to be the person who has your copy of the Democrat Party Hates America, and you can pre-order it right now on Amazon coming out September 19th. So make sure that you uh, pick up your copy. I'm going to get to uh, some calls here, and uh, let's go to Sandy in Raleigh, North Carolina. Great place. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Quick question for you, and you may have answered this, and I didn't hear it, but the D.C. judge, I think her name's pronounced Judge Chutkin or something like that. Chutkin, yeah. Will Trump, will Trump's lawyers petition her to recuse herself and also change the venue for the trial? Because you won't get a fair trial. Everybody knows that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you, 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 yes, you're right. And yes, the effort is being made. Uh, will the effort be successful? I would not hold y- your breath. And by the way, there's a cautionary tone. One of the things that I take a look at within the context of all these things, I'm going to take several steps out for a moment to kind of illustrate a broader point, because it's it's something that I will talk about, especially being in South Florida, where a lot of people go to all kinds of, of different uh, places and Central South America, you know, some of the islands, uh, third world countries generally. And without thinking about it, it's like, well, you know, I can I can just hop on a plane you know, here at uh, Palm Beach International or Miami International and, and, and be there in a couple hours, you know, it, it must be just fine. Well, no, I mean, the, the laws are different in some of these places. And, and if you don't know them, you can get yourself in trouble rather easily. The other thing is you have the, uh, you know, secretary of uh, state. You, you take a look at their department. You'll have travel advisories against a lot of countries that people go to every day and don't think twice until you hear about problems with Americans in, in some of these locations. But the reason that that I mentioned this in, in the context of, of this conversation is when you are going to various different places, you need to be aware politically anymore. It's a sad thing. But how will you be treated legally if Heaven forbid something went wrong in in Washington, D.C. I mean, you see how many people who were there on January 6th have been mistreated, right? Not the best place for them. What about places like New York or or San Francisco? I mean, sure, if you're an illegal immigrant, you're above the law. You, You get better treatment. But if it's somebody like you, just something to be mindful of. But the other point, as we're talking about, okay, locations of trials, I believe in intellectual honesty and in in a location where only 5% of voters voted for Donald Trump in 2020, is there a a reasonable chance that Trump is going to get a fair trial in DC? No. At the same time, when you're talking about the January 6th related charges, well, what is the jurisdiction? It is DC. Geographically, it makes sense. Now, to your point about the DC judge that has assigned this case, I mean, look, it is there's so much there that that points in a direction that would suggest that Trump may not get a fair trial by the judge, let alone the jury there. And it starts with this. The judge literally made a campaign donation to Barack Obama. And then Barack Obama takes one of his donors and appoints them as a judge. I mean, that happened. That's what happened here. I mean, that's kind of fun, right? But that's the thing. All of these federal judges are political appointments. And in the interest of intellectual honesty, 
you you do have the situation in the federal docs case here in South Florida where you have Judge Cannon. And Judge Cannon was a Trump appointee, and, and she will be overseeing Trump's case. The other thing I will point out to you in terms of where she is going to try the case, she could have brought the case in any jurisdiction within the Southern District of Florida. The Southern District of Florida has courts in Monroe County. That's what encompasses the keys. So like the, you literally could have had like a Key West trial with Trump if she wanted to go there. She could have brought the case in Miami. That's where Trump was arraigned in the Docs case was Miami. She could have brought the case in Broward Courthouse in Fort Lauderdale. She could have brought the case in the jurisdiction closest to where the alleged crimes were committed, Mar-a-Lago, which is in Palm Beach County. She chose not to do that. She's bringing the case in her home court in Fort Pierce, which happens to lie in a jurisdiction that Trump outright won. So you have a Trump-appointed judge who is bringing the case in a location where the jury pool is most likely to be the most favorable. And so my point in mentioning is this. Uh, you can travel down that path. Trump will. He should. You can make a case that the, the situation is far more exaggerated in D.C., which it is. But from a point of intellectual honesty, then you also get into torture territory with the federal docs case if you wander down that path. But it's a it's a good thought and uh, appreciate the call. All right. So let's go to uh, Stephen in Oklahoma City. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi there. I've got two concerns. They collected a lot of evidence with Sidney Power and Giuliani and, and, and Mike Lindell. A lot, a lot of people collected a lot of evidence. The judges would never allow it in court. So now that President Trump's going to court, my first concern is, is he going to be allowed to present all that evidence? And the second concern is, if the voting machines haven't been changed, how are we going to have a fair election next year? All right, Stephen, uh, appreciate the call. How do I want to address this one? I'm going to point out something. Uh, and it's going to be Georgia. Georgia is going to be my example here. Okay. Georgia ground zero. The case that has been brought in Fulton County against Trump and 18 associates is quite literally over this issue, right? It's the allegation that the election was rigged, that there's all this evidence and everything else. You had Republican governor Brian Kemp in Georgia say that it's not true. His office investigated it, said it's not true. He took the other side in this deal. You walk to what happened in last year's elections in Georgia. If there was so much corruption and crime, if it was so rigged, Stacey Abrams was the gubernatorial candidate in Georgia. She is the queen rigger on the left, right? I mean, she is front and center and the person that would have been behind the, the scheming in Georgia, and most specifically in Fulton County, to the extent that it would have existed, right? So how is it that Brian Kemp blew her out of the water? Here's the next cautionary tale. In that same election, what happened to Herschel Walker, 
the Trump-backed candidate who ran on that theme. Looking backwards, talking about rigged elections and everything, you had 10% turnaround. I mean, it's one of the more amazing things that you had 10% of people split their ballots between Brian Kemp for governor and Warnock for the Senate. There's a story that Georgians told you, and it's consistent with what their governor, Brian Kemp, had to say. What I will tell you, um, I have a strong background in this. I know what I know and I know what I don't, but I do a great deal of research. And I have been at the forefront previously of investigating election misfeasance in South Florida specifically. If you go back to 2018 and what happened in Broward and Palm Beach County, I mean, I covered the stuff back in Florida 2000, but I was intimately involved in investigating, uncovering, and ultimately helping bring awareness and deal with corruption that was taking place in Broward and Palm Beach County in those elections. Getting bogus activity stopped before elections were stolen and ultimately getting the supervisors of elections thrown out of office in Broward and Palm Beach County. And my point is, when there is real hard evidence that points at the very kind of thing that has been alleged time and time again, you can find it, you can evidence it somewhat efficiently. The Heritage Foundation keeps up with a great voter fraud database. There was extensive fraud in the 2020 election cycle. You can go take a look at all the prosecuted crimes right there on the Heritage Foundation's website. Left loves to say there's no voter fraud. Well, take a look at how many criminal convictions have taken place since 2020. Again, all right there, Heritage Foundation's voter fraud database. The other side of it is the extent to which has been alleged. I mean, look, there is a reason why Fox was forced to settle with Dominion. Right. It wasn't because Fox wanted to pay out all that money to Dominion. And so I'd caution you to take everything at face value. More importantly, I will tell you something that I have personally told the former president of the United States, along with a lot of other people, something he didn't want to hear. Which is. And this is different when you start getting into legal jeopardy because legal jeopardy suddenly puts you back in reliving 2020 all throughout the course of an election year that is about the future. Voters have never voted for the past. Elections are always about the future. But my message and many others, you have to talk about the future. If Trump were on point and on message as he was in 2015 and 2016, he could win in a blowout next year. If Trump is talking about 2020 and rigged elections, nothing good comes of that. And, and above and beyond everything else, the legal jeopardy and you name it, the single most damaging thing to Donald Trump, I think that can happen next year, isn't even potentially being convicted in state court in Georgia or New York where you know he actually could be behind bars. He could not, even if he's president of the United States or somebody else who's sympathetic to him, they could not pardon him from, from state crimes. It's 
being stuck in the mindset of talking about 2020 and rigged elections. So that is uh, the the me to you on that one. I hear what you're saying, but the truth lies somewhere in the middle of that conversation. I'll leave it at that. Let's go to uh, John in Illinois. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing, sir? All good. All good. Good. Uh, my thing is, you, nobody's mentioning the fact that Barack Obama had a pseudonym email as well. Well, no, I mean, look, you, you're you're right on point. And actually, I, I kind of made a, a very quick reference to it at the onset of the show that uh, and, and the, you, the point you raise is a very good one here. So now if we take a look at the Biden email situation. So now we literally have the current president of the United States using executive privilege to block a freedom of information requests pertaining to email aliases that he was using while vice president a decade ago. Uh, and, and what is an obvious effort to inhibit information about his dealings with his son and his business interest. Well, I mean, isn't that coincidental, given that you had Hillary Clinton in her email server? So hold on here. What what goes on that just suddenly you have two of the highest ranking officials in the Obama administration that are operating illegal email services? What? What? What are the odds that it stops with those two? So no, point well taken. The odds that Barack is is not front and center in this as well. It's just that's not where the conversation is at this point. But your point is well taken. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month. Plus, it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. This is a national issue, and it must be resolved by the national issue. So don't critique what we've done. Don't tell us how we could have done it better. Don't sit in the bleachers and be a DTAC spectator on this full contact sport call asylum seekers get on the field and fight this battle with us <laughs> i mean to tell you if you're in new york city you are so screwed <laughs> I mean, that guy's your mayor this full contact sport that is asylum seeking <laughs> oh my gosh new york city is eating itself alive good luck with that hey um while eric adams sucks at his job Keith Olbermann sucks at life. I mean, then this is not exactly something that is is unknown. 
Uh, but he's just stepped out to really illustrate this again this week. So this is widely known. Uh, the Oberman situation, hence why he hasn't been able to hold down a job. But, uh, you know, I did something yesterday that I'd actually never done previously, and that was to pull up Keith Oberman on X, which is the platform that I'll no longer after today be disclaiming uh, as the former Twitter platform. I did it when I saw that he was trending alongside Riley Gaines, whom I follow. And, and I realized going in that it was going to be like the social media equivalent of, of rubbernecking. Because what are the odds that you're going to find anything espoused by Oberman having any redeeming value? Except to him, because never has there been another media figure to which is saying a legend in his own mind was was more appropriately applied than to that pseudo-intellectual sportscaster turned newscaster turned political pundit turned political uh, sportscaster pundit turned perpetually unemployed tool. But anyway, upon arriving on Oberman's feet, I was met with about what I would have expected. I mean, the most recent thing I just posted was in response to Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz posted, what is it with liberals and wanting to control every damn aspect of your life? If they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. That was in response to the Biden administration's consideration of adopting Canada's new alcohol consumption guidelines. Oberman's response, Ted, it's a recommendation for smart people who are concerned with their health. Not biting, not control, just advice for you. A fat-ass moron with no brain cells left to kill. Keep drinking, have two an hour. Well, more intellectualizing. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. We are now seeing what happens when prosecutors move forward with highly charged indictments and trials in the middle of an election. Simply put, it sows distrust and provides easy pickings. For those who see the district attorney's action is guided by politics. Yeah, sure enough. And I had referenced Georgia Governor Brian Kemp as we were talking about election misfeasance, fraud, 2020 election stuff. But then his very successful re-election bid against Stacey Abrams last year contrasted with Herschel Walker's performance in Georgia in the same election. 
Lots of lessons to be learned there. You hear his message, that message very much on point. It's a lot that is complex in a lot of these conversations. We're going to get into the timeline of Trump's trials here in a moment. It's important. There are conversations with the overlapping that's going to be taking place to kind of take a deeper look at this. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, and I am broadcasting to you from my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can check out the Brian Mudd Show podcast wherever you get your podcast. And coming off of a record August for the podcast, would love to keep that momentum going, getting off to a strong start here in September. So go check out the Brian Mudd Show again, wherever you get your podcast, follow, subscribe, and you can listen for free from whatever platform you choose. Also, socially, you can check me out at Brian Mudd Radio. Uh, pretty much anywhere if there's a social platform. So um, hope to uh, connect with you there as well. It is always, always truly an honor and a pleasure to be here with you, uh, guesting for the the great one. And my my time management at the uh, succession of the second hour was was not the strongest. I before getting into the uh, Trump trial stuff, want to complete my thought with uh, Keith Oberman sucking at life because I only got through half of of my messaging there. So. You know, I, I referenced that I went to the formal the platform formerly known as Twitter, the the X platform, uh, when I saw that Oberman was was trending yesterday with with Riley Gaines, and uh, I came across on his thread uh, the condemnation of one Ted Cruz, uh, under which y- you had Oberman, who is now saying explicitly. That you are not a smart person and you are not concerned with your health if you have more than two alcoholic beverages in a week. While also calling Ted Cruz a fat-ass moron with no brain cells left to kill. So he should just keep drinking and have two an hour. I mean, it it was like one of those moments for me because the expectations of Oberman are already so low you can't trip over him, right? And for him to just so just perfectly deliver on that expectation that is so low. I couldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have known the the specificity, but he did not disappoint. But actually, because I was looking for the Riley Gaines thing, I uh, really realized quickly I was going to have to go to her uh, platform to see what actually happened. And very quickly, I did. Uh, The Oberman reply was to a Riley Gaines post saying, and this was Riley's post, defining women or defining woman equals ridiculous to state Senator Megan Hunt. Remember that next election, Nebraskans. Now, Megan Hunt is a Nebraska state senator and issued that statement in opposition to the governor's executive action enacting the Women's Bill of Rights, which defines a person's sex as male or female at birth. <gasps> the audacity of Nebraska's governor. Affirming not one's um, gender fluidity, but affirming actually biology, affirming science, that that crazy Nebraska governor and then that crazy Riley Gaines, those people. So anyway, uh, the Oberman replied to Riley when she posted that message, quoting him, can you just address the reality and move past it? You sucked at swimming. That's why you lost. Now, it's about at this point where also contrasted with what 
he had most recently posted about the Ted Cruz comment, I actually just kind of felt sorry for the guy. And this happens a lot, actually, when when I come across this level of just insanity. Imagine how broken and miserable a person has to be inside. You know, I think about this sometimes. It's it's one of these deals where, you know, like I'll have leftists that will take cracks at me and they really think they're landing some blows. Like just you can imagine what what some people would, would say in digital communications, right? And what those folks don't realize, the people who don't want to have an intellectual disagreement, but but want to be that level of of miserable. I just feel sorry for them because I think about what has to be so broken and wrong with a person at this moment in time that whether it's an upside, you know, one up one side and down the other, you know, telling me what I am and, and how awful of a human being I am. They took time to do that. And that they really are are feeling that way rather than wanting to have an honest discussion about things. Or in the case of Keith Oberman, that, that this is what he does now. Just imagine how broken and miserable a person has to be to become a professional social media troll. So yeah, social media trolls, they suck. Hence, Keith Oberman sucks at life. And by the way, Riley Gaines was the most talented woman swimming collegiately, which by the way, I think I... I don't remember if it was late in the day yesterday or this morning, but she ended up just, you talk about the ultimate smackdown. She went through all of her trophies and awards and everything from, from college and put that up there in response. It was very well played. All right, let's talk a little bit about Trump and his, his team and why it is that they evidently do not deserve the time that's needed to build a, a proper defense. So the average length of time for any federal case to be brought to trial, you know what it is? It's 18 months, okay? Now, most cases and, you know, federal cases that are brought, they're plead. You know, you, you have fewer than 5%, I think it's around 3% these days that actually ever go to a trial. But for those that do, the average length from the time of an arraignment to trial is 18 months. So that means the average love, having been indicted for allegedly committing the average federal offense, gets a year and a half to prepare a defense. So why is it that the former and perhaps future president of the United States doesn't? It really is the kind of question that demands an answer. Now, Jack Smith and his filing to the court seeking a speedy trial cited the public interest in a speedy trial being granted. Now, look, no doubt there's public interest in in all these cases that are being brought against Trump, not just the two that Jack Smith is, is bringing in federal court, but the New York case, the Georgia case. Yeah. Lots of public interest. Okay. However, what about Trump's personal interest? You know, as in like the right of presumed innocence? <laughs> How backwards is it that there is no presumed innocence here? He, the very complicated cases, extraordinarily complicated cases, far more complicated than the average club trial that get, takes 18 months to get there, right? Why is it? That he doesn't have presumed innocence and that the public interest surpasses his right for his legal team to have time to adequately prepare for defense. Why is it that other federal cases, which have been brought sooner, will be pushed back? Because here's the other thing. If you have expedited trials in these courts with Trump, 
Nobody will talk about the other cases that are being moved around to accommodate, right? But there are. There are other people that will either be denied justice in a timely manner or whatever. I mean, whatever the legal coin, but their legal situations will be altered to account for this. Isn't that interesting? So Donald Trump was indicted on August 1st for the January 6th related charges. The March 4th date for a trial to begin provides his legal defense with a total of seven months or just 39, 39% of the time usually allocated for a legal defense to be prepared. That's it. And the classified docs case that's going to be here heard in uh, Fort Pierce, Florida. The most recent related charges were brought July 28th. And yet the trial is scheduled to begin May 14th. That's only eight months, eight and a half, or 47% of the usual time provided about legal defense. Two cases, two federal trials, both happening in well less than half the time in which any federal case would usually happen, all coincidentally right in the midst of the presidential election cycle. Just a coincidence. You know, the, the left and their rogue prosecutors like to use language like no one is above the law, right? So the question that should be asked is why Donald Trump is being treated as though he doesn't even deserve the law. He doesn't even deserve to be treated like the average slub. And the question that demands an answer is why his team doesn't deserve the time needed to build a proper defense or even the average defense for the average federal case that's being brought against the average defendant. This is a real conversation here. And speaking of the timeline of the Trump trials, you know, speedy trials being sought in the cases involving Trump. You, you take a look at what we have seen most recently. Following the fourth and what appears to be the final arrest of Trump. I mean, we never know, right? I mean, there there could be somebody that just say, yeah, we're going to arrest him too. I mean, you, you heard uh, the Arizona governor saying, yeah, you know, we, we need to take Trump down in Arizona now too, right? Anyway, so you have the, the Fulton County prosecutor who brought the charges against Trump and his associates, she also filed for a speedy trial. Okay, so now you got Smith, federal cases, speedy trial. Fulton County, Georgia, speedy trial. All right, fun. And the filing, by the way, that uh, Jack Smith filed in response to Trump's team seeking a trial date in 2026 originally, he said, in service of a proposed trial date in 2026, that would deny the public its right to a speedy trial. Deny the public its right to a speedy trial. Again, not talking about anything other than the public interest. Not talking about the actual person who is defending themselves having the right to prepare a legal defense. The public just gets to try to throw stones at the situation, right? I mean, that's really what this is. So, in other words, you got Trump's legal team saying, yeah, we need a lot of time to put together a proper, proper defense, more than average, to the charges. Smith is saying, no, they don't. But Trump is not going to be given the amount of time that people usually are, not at this point. And so, you, you take a look at the questions that are abounding regarding the prosecutorial overreach, the potential misconduct here in each of these criminal cases. I'm going to pick up there next. Brian Mudd in for the great one.
मत लोपेन There are approximately 91,000 power outages reported throughout the state. There have been 476,000 accounts that have been restored. Now that is a man who's tired for legitimate reasons. He's not tired just because it's a day of the week, and you know, dog can't hunt anymore. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, he's been off the campaign trail this week as we have been dealing with the effects of Hurricane Adelia and. Yeah, he he's been on it. And by the way, you heard the numbers there. That was uh, from this morning in real time. Fewer than eighty thousand power outages in Florida. And uh, to to my my friends, and in some cases, literally my my family and and friends in the uh, the Big Bend area, northern Florida, that took the direct brunt of this. Um, w- with all deference paid to them, if you're going to have a major hurricane and place it anywhere in Florida. You could not have placed it in a location. I mean, like literally, could not have placed this this hurricane in a location where it, it would have impacted fewer people. It is the most sparsely populated area of the state. That said, to the folks who took it, I mean, it is it, the devastation is real, uh, and it's that much more challenging in many cases because of how remote and and how rural it it is. You know, some of these communities, you know, it could be weeks or longer before the the power gets back. For the power that has been restored. That's the stuff that, by and large, is an infrastructure damage. What happens from here is is largely infrastructure related. Some's going to be online by the end of the weekend. Some of it could be a lot longer than that when you start talking about power stations. But anyway, we're, we're uh, for the most part coming through it uh, pretty well. And uh, Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin been talking um, most recently about the timeline of of Trump's trials and as we start taking a look at the overlapping of these things. So you had prosecutor uh, Fannie Willis, the Fulton County DA, citing the need for a speedy trial as well. Not just Jack Smith, citing the public interest as though that has any bearing on whether Donald Trump, the citizen, should have the ability to mount a proper defense. the The overarching issue isn't his rights, his constitutional rights. No, it's public interest. So you have. Fannie Willis, her situation is even more ridiculous. Her her speedy trial request, October twenty third, uh, and within six months at a minimum. That's what she's asked for. Now that's noteworthy for a couple of reasons. Under Georgia's RICO law, there's only one case that has ever gone to trial, and it just so happened to be a high profile case that gained national attention and was prosecuted by none other than yeah Fannie Willis. The same prosecutor that is trying this Trump case. The previous Georgia Rico case was the 2009 Atlanta public schools cheating scandal. In the scandal, you had 178 Atlantic uh, Atlanta area public school educators that were implicated, 35 that were indicted as part of a scheme to artificially improve standardized test scores of students. Teachers went back after the fact and they corrected the tests that were taken by the students to make them, the educators, look good because they're judged by that stuff. Twenty-three of the educators took plea deals. The other twelve went to trial. The original indictment took place on March twenty-ninth of twenty thirteen. For the twelve who declined the plea bargain and went to trial, that started September twenty-ninth of twenty fourteen. Concluded April first of twenty fifteen. It was exactly eighteen months from the indictment to the start of the trial. That's a length of time, which, if applied to the Trump case, 
wouldn't occur until after next year's presidential election. However, the, now you got the same prosecutor trying the same type of case, seeking two months, not 18, two, numero dos. Could there be a more obvious effort at a double standard? So now we've got a D.C. case, March 4th, May 14th trial date in the classified docs case. You got the New York Stormy Daniels hush money case, March 24th, and the effort here for October. Can't make this stuff up. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. The new American revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. When things go wrong, we want passengers to know that DOT has your back. And that we have secured stronger consumer protections. There you go. You got the, the booty judge. Things go south at the airport. Traveling this Labor Day weekend. Just know that... Uh, that the booty judge, Pete Booty Judge, he's 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 got your backside. They're there for you. Which, by the way, I mean, what is that anyway? We've got your back. <laughs> what? I am stuck and stranded in an airport right now. But man, do I feel good because Pete Booty Judge says his department's got my back. What kind of crap is that? I'm sure he he thought that sounded good. It's like the kind of slogans you come up with when you're the mayor of a college town. And not even a a very good one at that. I'm not talking about it not being a a good college town. That certainly would be, but not a very good mayor of a college town. And you, you end up becoming the transportation secretary because you're gay. That's why, you know, it's it's like the kind of slogan you would expect when that's the reason why you got the job is because you're a homosexual man. So um, which, by the way, I mean, when you take a look at like our, our uh, newest Supreme Court justice, it's always good when you check these boxes. Right. I mean, Ketanji Brown Jackson has has been just phenomenal, hasn't she? And applying constitutional laws since she got to the bench. Always good when you are you're checking boxes rather than, uh, you know, getting the best and brightest in there. So, you know, um, you, you can. Take solace in the fact that uh, if you are screwed at an airport uh, this weekend at any point, that uh, you know, the, the transportation department's got your back in all this. Uh, by the way, somebody who actually does have your back, the great one, you should have his back, too, by pre-ordering his book, The Democrat Party Hates America. It's going to be out September 19th, which means you still got a little time to get it so we can make it number one straight away. See, there are a couple of things here that are important. The first is that you get this information and that you digest the information and that you're able to impart it to those around you. The other part of it is to make sure that the sales are so huge that it becomes the eighth number one New York Times bestseller by the great one. That only happens. The New York Times can only make Mark's books number one when the sales are so overwhelming they can't get out of it any other way. So you, you got to go there, pre-order on Amazon. The Democrat Party hates America. All right, let's go to Tom in Atlanta. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And I always learn a lot when you substitute for the great one. And I, I'm so glad you've been focusing on the dual system of justice. So here's a thought. Here's a plan. So Trump's 
uh, request for executive privilege or his claim of executive privilege was denied. So uh, let's put this request for executive privilege squarely in the laps uh, by Biden, squarely in the laps of those judges, that judge or those judges who denied Trump his uh, executive privilege claim. And let's see what happens. Turnabout is fair play. It is a great point. Uh, you're you're right on point. Uh, by the way, where in Atlanta are you? Uh, actually, I'm I'm right at the moment, uh, well above Atlanta in God's country, the North Georgia mountains, or close to them. So uh, I'm Love actually listening too. to a station up up that way. And hey, if I can say about the beer thing, yeah. Well, they've already lim- I've already limited myself to zero zero Bud Lights a week. But when those in the White House who partake of the white powder limit themselves to two lines of Coke, then get back to me on the beer limitation. Uh, good points, all. Enjoy uh, God's country up there. It is amazing. The uh, the North Georgia mountains uh, absolutely love it. My my wife and I love it up there. Get around Dahlonega, Suchas. If you go the the other way, uh, you get Cloud Cloudland Cannon. I believe it is State Park somewhere. Yeah, I think it's Cloudland Cannon State Park or something like that. It, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, just uh, on the northwest side of the state, right before you, you head into Tennessee uh, over towards Chattanooga as well. I uh, grew up in suburban Atlanta. Uh, still love it. I uh, love it enough that actually uh, what what's on the agenda. So big series going on right now. Braves and Dodgers. Very big Braves fan. Uh, I do a morning show, so they're out west, cannot watch these games, have last night's game that is recorded. And so uh, upon wrapping up this show, uh, we'll go to to watch without the uh, the spoilers last night's game. And then we'll have this night's game that can be recorded. And I have a wonderful wife who is actually a Braves fan as well. And she watches these as we drink our, our wine. And by the way. Um, you know, and that was part of the reason I was thinking about this. Uh, we will probably have more than uh, two servings tonight, uh, let alone this week. Uh, we, we will have multiples by the time the week is weekend is finished. But but certainly tonight alone, we will probably uh, ex- exceed uh, Keith Olbermann's in- intelligence limit and the Biden administration's uh, consideration of, of what is, is good and sound. Um, let's go to uh, Nick in Virginia. Nick, welcome to the show. Uh, yep, Nick, we thanks have for to- taking my call. You um, bet. So I'll be brief. Um, thanks. I'll be brief. Um, I, I just wanted to um, put forth um, an op- 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 something that I kind of observed. Um, so with um, the uh, conversation regarding um, the age limits for um, for the presidency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I know that in to be president you need to be at least thirty five. What do you That's think uh, in regards to that? How does that play into the um, the conversation and the discussion? You know, like the to be thirty five. Um, I'm guessing the logic behind that has something to do with um, being more wisdom, having more under your belt. Um, how do you feel that plays into the, the conversation in regards to um, the age limits? Because now there are, there are rules, constitutional rules, that you have to be a certain age. So how, did you, how do you feel that plays into the conversation? 
Yeah, look, I, I love the question. It's a, it's an intellectual question, and it, it, you know, and there's a great point attached to it in that the founders did not feel as though there was a need for a age limit to be applied, but they did feel it was important for a certain amount of life experience to be accumulated before one runs for president of the United States. So on one hand, you know, and I advance the point and I maintain it, that the the founders trusted us, right? They they trusted us to make smart decisions, hence why they did not put age limits into place for politicians. Age minimums, yeah, you got age minimums for Congress. Age minimum is different for the House than it is for the the Senate than it is for the presidency. There was a certain amount of experience given the amount of influence politically and the amount of political power one could derive. And so in that respect, it, it is a little bit contradictory, right? I mean, they are saying that, well, we trust the American people, but okay, fair enough. Uh, so I don't think they made mistakes and I think they had great foresight. And I do agree, you know, just on a personal level, should people have a certain amount of, of life experience before, you know, getting into political office? Yes. And it is a, a calculation of sorts by theirs. But one of the things that comes into play, see, we can elect somebody into an office and see how capable they are of doing the job and, and vote them out. And I still think the onus at that point is on is on us. And I don't think it was a mistake that they put the limit on the inexperienced in without putting a cap on the experience in. And some people, if you travel down this rabbit hole enough, will say, well, you know, maybe it was because life ex expectancies were so much lower back then and whatever else. I don't know. I mean, life expectancies have been, uh, you know, progressively climbing all throughout human history up to the point of the revolution and the founding of this country. We had progressively seen life expectancies improve. I think they would have had the foresight to realize that with advancements, that would, that trend would continue. So I'm not sure that is is inherently the answer either. But I do pay deference to the system they laid out. It was very intentional. It has worked well. But the difference is we aren't working well as, as voters anymore. We are not operating as good, informed voters. And my example, once again, as I, I lay out a Dianne Feinstein at 90, a Mitch McConnell at 81, a Joe Biden at 80, the John Fetterman situation. You can get into the conversation wherever you want to arbitrarily place it. Right. I mean, Warren Buffett is is in his 90s. He's still running Berkshire Hathaway. Man, sharp as a whip. I mean, it is relative, right? Age does not impact everybody equally. Clearly. But no age limit that would be put in place would protect anybody from John Fetterman, right? That is the example that does not fit that mold. And people need to account for it. People ultimately are the problem here. Voters are the problem. And that's where there needs to be the reality check, I believe. Not a fan of laws that we enact to try to protect ourselves from ourselves. Let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Carol, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I wanted I wanted to respond to an earlier caller who said that uh, you know that Hunter has nothing to do with the administration. 
you know, whatever his activities are, you know, shouldn't affect Biden and being charged with impeachment or whatever. But it is all intertwined. And, you know, you talk about people being informed. Um, I have a couple of points. You know, the he's still doing this art gallery show. Yes. So that's ongoing. And, you know, the gallery owner has refused to go to D.C. You know, they sent letters to him several times to, you know, appear before Congress. If the guy has nothing to hide, he should go. And, you know, he's also, by his own admission, you know, said he's charging exorbitant prices for the art, you know. And um, this past June, he um, contacted the police and said that his computers were, well, someone attempted to hack his computers, like his financials, and, yeah. um, you know, he yeah, talked yeah, to yeah, Carol, I mean, you've made some excellent points here, and I want to pick up on the art gallery stuff and, and Hunter Biden's art for, for a reason, because I think you, you wander into, you know, really thoughtful space here. So much of what we are talking about is what was done when Joe Biden was vice president, right? I mean, that really is the the epicenter of all this, was the influence peddling, the use of the vice presidency to exact outcomes that ended up profiting the Biden family. Okay. The example that it didn't even stop there is the art example. It's the only, to date, it is the only real meaningful evidence that it is still continuing and that it's not just a case to where Oh, you know what? Maybe Joe viewed himself as being on the way out, and he's just going to try to stack the the family coffers by uh, influence peddling a little bit near the end because Hillary was going to be the, the next president of the United States, and he would be done. And I don't doubt that that factored into it. But as I mean, Joe Biden had barely been sworn into office as president when Hunter Biden kicks up his art career, right? So this is 2021 now. This is recent that Hunter Biden starts doing the art thing. And yes, his pieces start selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Somebody who has never done art before. Uh, now, my wife and I appreciate fine art. We're collectors even. Uh, never have heard or seen anything quite like that before. And, and so it's kind of magical that, that the art cabal finally uh, you know, came around on, on Hunter Biden as like this instant savant. And uh, so his, his stuff goes straight to the top of the, the price list there. What also we, we found out not all that long ago is that Hunter lied when he said that he had no knowledge. It was anonymous who the buyers of his art were. As we came to find out, he did know. And in fact, just so happens that the biggest purchaser of his art ended up becoming an appointee, a Biden administration appointee. She got a post she wanted in the Biden administration. And right there. So the next point of this is it's still going on. We don't know to what extent, but it's still happening right now. And that's the other important point in this is this isn't just about what had happened. It's about how the president of the United States is compromised, has sold this country out to China, to Ukraine, to Russia, Lord knows who else, and very well may be doing more of the same right now. And it started with day one policy when he ended up killing U.S. energy development production, the Keystone XL pipeline, and putting money into the hands of foreign oil interests. 
all part and consistent with what he had been doing previously, along with those Hunter Biden business interests in selling out this country. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one. Mudd Lovin. I do think that there is a real distinction, and I think that I am the only candidate who was on that stage who was a non-neocon. Yes, it's not just the only one on that stage that isn't bought and paid for. He's the only non-neocon that was on that stage, too. Ah, Vivek, the Ramaswamy. You know, uh, one of the things that was interesting uh, this week, the the real Slim Shady uh, stood up, and it turns out that the dude's a buzzkill. You know, uh, apparently feeling threatened by, I don't know, Ramaswamy's, like, mad rapping skills. Eminem, he put a stop to it. You know, despite holding the BMI license, the way this works, you have to get a license to be able to play the music that you play, or in Ramaswamy's case, to, like, perform on the campaign trail. So he actually paid for the license to be able to use Eminem's songs until you had the cease and desist. And so you had the informing of the Ramaswamy legal team that they had received communications from Marshall B. Mathers III, professionally known as Eminem, objecting to the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign's use of Eminem's musical compositions, the Eminem works, and requesting that BMI remove all Eminem works from the agreement. And they said, this letter serves as notice that the Eminem works are excluded from the agreement effective immediately. BMI will consider any performance of the Eminem works by, B- by the Vivek 2024 campaign from this date forward to be a material breach of the agreement for which BMI reserves all rights and remedies with respect thereto. Now, the one thing I'm, I've always known that Eminem is Marshall Mathers, right? In this context, so I saw like Marshall B. Mathers III. All I could think of was like, yeah, I, Smithers, I'm Smithers. Uh, but anyway, beyond that, uh, the easy inference here is that Marshall Mathers is a bigot because this music is evidently only meant for those that agree with him politically, even if it's already been paid for. But it is also possible that the real Slim Shady, who's now in his 50s, just feels threatened by uh, the Ramaswamy. I sound better than him these days. Hey, Life, Liberty, Levin, this Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern, Fox News Channel. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Thanks for spending the time. Have a great weekend.